First John chapter four and verse one. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. We'll stop there. And I want to speak to you tonight on the subject of judging, and particularly judging one another. And judging is something we're commanded to do. In this verse, John the Beloved encourages us to make discerning judgments concerning doctrine. When I read that, I think about uh, people who've been misled, misguided into false doctrine, some who followed after cults, even some who've lost their lives in suicide packs, things of that nature, because they don't use discernment in judging. So God commands us to judge, and so we're going to begin with that, but then we're going to kind of segue into this matter of judging one another. So let's pray as we begin. Father, thank you for your word. Bless as we study it together. Open our eyes. Help us to behold wondrous things out of thy law. We need your help. We need the discernment that comes from you, the judgment that comes from rightly dividing and applying the Word of God. And so please help us to be attentive. We don't want to be, uh, miss something because of distractions, because of our mind wandering, uh, because of anything. We just want to be uh, focused on your Word and what you have to say to us through the Word of God and how it applies to us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, when the, when the Bible says, when John says, on try the spirits, the word try means to test them, to prove them, to make discern, discerning judgments about them. Now, in this case, uh, the Bible is instructing us to test or judge truth or doctrine. Look at, you know, he says there are many, verse 1, there are many false prophets that have come into the world. Verse 2, he says, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. That's the incarnation. Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. He didn't begin to exist. He came into this world, born of a virgin. Verse 3, Every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. This is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it shall come, and even now already is it in the world. So we're, we're encouraged to use discernment and judgment concerning doctrine, particularly in this verse, this passage, the doctrine of Christ, the doctrine of Christ's deity. False prophets abound. They did in John's day, they do in our day, and we're to use discernment. And, and wise judgment concerning truth. And the standard, as you know, the standard of our judgment is what God says. It's God's word. It's God's truth. Let's look at a couple of other passages. We're going to spend most of our time in Romans, but go to Romans chapter 16. And here again, the Apostle Paul writing concerning judgment, using wisdom and discernment. Romans 16, 17 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary 
to the doctrine, we're in Romans 16, 17, contrary to the doctrine which you've learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus, they're in it for themselves. They don't serve the Lord but their own belly, their own selfish desires. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the heart to the simple. So there again, he's admonishing us to use judgment. Mark them. Be discerning. Pay attention. Uh, Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica and he said this, Prove all things. Prove means put them to the test. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Use, Use wise judgment. Jesus said in John chapter 7, Judge righteous judgment. In 1 Corinthians 5, we're, we're instructed, the church of Corinth was instructed, and we're thereby instructed to, to judge moral conduct or misconduct among membership. We're to do that. Somebody says, well, you're never to judge. That's not true. We are to judge. We're to judge sound doctrine. We're to judge um, immoral behavior. In that same book, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, why do you go to the courts to work to resolve your differences. You ought, to, you ought to judge these things among yourselves. You ought to, you ought to be able to judge about um, people who've wronged you or whatever. Where do, we are, and, and he goes on to say, you're going to judge angels one of these days. We are, there are certain things we are to judge. So ever, are we all on board with that? We're to use, judge means to use wisdom, it's to try things, test them, make sure it's true. But there are some things that the Bible tells us that we're not to jump to conclusions or judgments about. And and that would be what I would call issues about which the Bible does not speak specifically or clearly. Now you're in Romans chapter 16. Just go to the left a little bit to Romans chapter 14. And I'm just going to walk through um, the first part of this chapter verse by verse and just comment a little bit as we go along. But notice what it says in Romans 14.1. Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. Now, disputations, if you took the first two-thirds of that word, you'd have the word dispute. In other words, you're not to, you're not to have him that is weak in the faith. He's talking about someone who is someone who's not seeing eye to eye as you would in something, he says, receive them, but not for the purpose or not to doubtful disputations, not for the purpose of criticizing or debating, disputing with them. That's just verse 1. Look in verse 2. And now he's going to give us some specific examples that I think are very important. We can relate to this. For one believeth that he may eat all things. Another who's weak eateth herbs. So one person says, I can eat anything. I can eat squid. I can eat caterpillars. You know, I can eat anything. Help yourself. I'm weak. (laughs) I don't eat some of that stuff. One person only eats herbs. We might say that's a vegetarian. And really he's talking about meat idols. But, but you got in the, in the, in the, among believers, you have these two different opinions. Now pay attention because this is an important lesson for all of us to learn. You got one, you could eat certain things. The other says that they wouldn't eat that. Verse 3. Let not that eateth 
despise him that eateth not. One person says it's okay, I can do, I have liberty, I can eat whatever. One person doesn't have that liberty, and he says, let no eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. Hath received him. If it sounds like the sound is going in and out acting funny, does it sound that way? It's not doing that. It's just your imagination. <laughs> Bear with us. All right. So, so here the particular thing he's talking about has to do with dietary restrictions. And he goes on and talks about holy days or holidays. It was referring to Jewish feasts, things of that nature. And what does he say there? He says in verse 3, don't despise the other person. They don't see it the same way you see it. By the way, the Bible never tells you in the New Testament that there are certain things you can eat and certain things you cannot eat. What the Bible says is, eat it with thanksgiving. Right? That's right. So, but, but you, we don't, you don't despise a person who... A person may say, well, I just don't, I just still think I should do that. I think I should observe, maybe they should observe the no uh, pork, let's say, no swine, Old Testament standard. Let's say, I, I just feel it'd be better for me. That's fine. You're not to judge one another. You're not to, you're not to despise one another. You're not to look down upon another person. And all of this is not really about what you believe as, as much as it is about how you behave and how you act. So this whole, this whole uh, discourse here, this writing, is about this very subject. We're not to despise one another. And look what he says in verse 3. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. Don't judge him. Don't despise him. Notice this. For God hath received him. You're, you're he says, what you're doing is you're... You're putting a person down. You're looking down on a person. You're elevating yourself above a person on things the Bible does not even speak about. And the person that you're putting down, God's receiving them. God receives them. It'd be a bad thing, really, wouldn't it, if, we're, if we won't receive somebody that God receives? Then he says it in verse 4. says it in a different way in a question. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? And the implication is this person that you're judging is God's servant. Who are you that judges another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be held, holden up. He'll be held up for God is able to make him stand. You don't, you don't worry about judging him. He belongs to the Lord and God will enable him to stand. And then in verse 5 he kind of broadens the application to special days. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. That's an interesting phrase. Now, there are some people even today that profess to be New Testament saints, Christians, who still observe the Passover and still observe these other feasts. And the Bible never tells us to do that. That's not required in the New Testament time. If somebody wants to do it, you know, that's their business, but it's not taught in the Bible. That's what this is talking about. But other people have these other issues. Many, many years ago, some of you may have been around at this time. You've probably heard me refer to it. But we had a, we had a guy that, uh, in our church that 
was, you know, he was serious about the Bible. And we had good fellowship. And he left our church, and we've had, we, when I see him, we have, we have fellowship, even though he's been gone for many, many years. But he, he, his purpose for leaving was because we didn't preach against Christmas. And he felt like, it, you know, Christmas was a pagan holiday, and we shouldn't observe Christmas. And I've, under, I've read all that stuff, you know, I'm very familiar with it. And, but the Bible doesn't speak about that. And so we shouldn't take a dogmatic stand on things that God does not speak about. You follow what I'm saying? You know, I didn't hold that against him that he took a different position than I take. I didn't take offense about that. And uh, my point is, the Bible says, one person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Look in the last part of verse 5. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Now, this is the, this is the inspired word of God. And God says... God says one person sees it one way, another person sees it another way. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. You know, sometimes, sometimes if we're not careful, we think that because we think a certain way that everybody has to think the same way. But here's a revelation for us. I have this underlined in my Bible. Thinking people do not always agree. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind, right? You know, and, and when someone says, well, you're, you're, just, you're not thinking for yourself. I am thinking for myself. And well, you, can, you can think for yourself and not think like everybody else thinks you ought to think, right? And so, verse 6, he that regardeth the day, someone observes a particular day, regards it unto the Lord. He does it before the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day, he doesn't think it's anything to be recognized. To the Lord, he doth not regard it. Both of them are doing it in their own mind before the Lord. He that eateth, now he goes back to this matter of our diet. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. He that eateth not, to the Lord he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. To this end, for to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord, both of the dead and living. And then he brings back into this writing, this inspired writing, this matter of judging in verse 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Why are you judging your brother on these matters? And, you know, you're probably already ahead of me, but one of the reasons I think this is such a relevant issue is because there's so much chatter and rhetoric and conversations about things in our day that are some political, some virus-related, and all these different opinions. And people really get at odds with one another over something that really nobody knows the truth about. Anybody says they do tells me that they don't really know what they're talking about. Nobody knows the full measure of the truth. But the Bible says quit judging each other about those things. The Bible doesn't speak about this. It's not a doctrinal matter. And notice what he says there in verse um, 10. And this, this is a phrase that is, to me, such a powerful phrase. Why dost thou set at naught thy brother? 
Now, what does that mean to set at naught? You know what naught means? It means nothing. Right? Naught. To set at naught means you're, you're not esteeming them. You're disesteeming them. You're, you're, um, condes- you're being condescending toward them. And the Bible is clearly, in unequivocal terms, rebuking that and said, don't do that. Why are you setting at naught your brother? Why are you, why are you viewing people that differ from you with condescension? And look there, if we read on further in there, let's just go ahead and read on verse 11. By the way, I'm not going to speak on the judgment seat of Christ except just to say this, the last part of verse 10. What Paul is telling us is all this is going to be worked out at the judgment seat. And I assure you, at the judgment seat of Christ, and maybe I'm wrong, God will prove me wrong, tell me wrong, but I don't think all this subject about you know, how, whether vaccines are okay or not, I don't think that stuff's going to be brought up at the judgment seat of Christ. It's brought up a lot in our rhetoric, but I don't think it's going to be a big issue there, right? That's not going to be the standard by which we're judged. So, he says, um, for what, we'll all, we're all going to answer to God for that. So if I look around this congregation, there are people who have probably um, different dietary restrictions, maybe just for health reasons, maybe for spiritual reasons, maybe for whatever, you know, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. We don't look down upon each other because we view those things differently unless the Bible speaks clearly about that. Am I, are you with me? I mean, that's, that's what the Bible's teaching us here. So he goes on and says, verse 11, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God that every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Let us not, therefore, judge one another anymore. Let's stop judging each other in this manner. And, but notice what he says there in verse 13. Very important passage. But judge this rather. Let's not judge anymore like this, but judge this. That no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Here's, here's, the, here's what you ought to judge, he says. Don't judge each other on things where you differ that are not really biblically doctrinal things, but judge this. This is how you're to judge. Let no man put a stumbling block before his brother. An occasion to stumble. Stu- something that would cause him to stumble. And... Uh, verse 14, For I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there's nothing unclean of itself... But to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. And there again, I think he's talking primarily about food. You know, whether you, you know, if you're going to eat frog legs or shrimp or catfish, things that are forbidden in the law, if you think it's bad, then don't eat it. Just move your plate toward me. <laughs> so don't, he says, if, one, if you esteem it to be bad, then it's bad. Verse 15, but if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, if, you, if, you're, if you're, you have liberty, and so you're eating whatever you want. But if your brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. In other words, if you're disregarding your brother, then you're not showing love to that person. This has to do with putting an occasion to stumble before them. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. 
Let not your good, your good being trying to live according to the own direction God has given you, let not your good be evil spoken of, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Isn't that a good verse? But righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. So the point that Bible's making is we need to be careful that in our liberty, he's talking primarily to the people who have liberty to eat whatever they want to. That our liberty does not offend someone else. You know, and I'm reminded of the verse in Galatians where it says, uh, we've been, brethren, we've been called unto liberty. Aren't you glad for that? Only use not liberty, your liberty, for an occasion to the flesh. By love, serve one another. That's an entirely different attitude of, I can do this if I want to. Doesn't matter what anybody thinks. No, he says, if we've been called, we've been called unto liberty, but don't ever use your liberty as an excuse or a, a license to do things that would offend other people. And if we're doing, we're not, and he, the language he used there in verse 15 is where we're not walking charitably. You know what our greatest responsibilities are in life? You know what they are. You know, uh, number one, we're to love God with all our heart. Love God supremely. And number two, we're to love our brothers ourselves. Love our neighbors ourselves. He said, you do these two things and everything else is going to take care of itself. Love God more than anything else. Love your neighbors yourself. And... If you read these verses, down in, I read these verses 16, 17, and 18. In verse 18, he says, For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. He's not, this person is not just acceptable to God, but he's also recognized and approved of men. And what is, it, what is this person that he's describing? It says, he that, he that in these things serveth Christ. And what are those things he just mentioned in verse 17? Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. A person who seeks to live in that realm, letting the Spirit of God direct them, not, not, being, not being so committed to their own freedom that they fail to recognize that they're not supposed to cause other people to stumble. Those people, he says, will not only be acceptable to God, but they'll be approved of men. And then in verse 19, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. You know what we're looking for? We're looking for peace. We're not looking for the upper hand. We're not looking to get, have our way. We're looking for peace. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. And look at this. Things wherewith one may edify one another. We're supposed to be building each other up. We're to follow after peace. We're to build each other up. And so to me, it's just a good reminder to me that we all need to be careful. That we don't have, even doing the right thing, you can have a bad attitude. You can have a bad spirit, any of us can. And we don't wanna, we don't wanna have a prideful spirit, a critical spirit toward others who may not agree with us on things that have nothing to do with Bible doctrine and nothing to do with moral conduct. And there's so many areas this applies. And I think every once in a while it's just good to have a reminder about it. Now, what should be the standard? The Bible should be the standard. If I, were, if I come before you or come before anyone and speak to that person, or if you hear someone else speak to this matter, and they say, they say that women are not to be serving in the office of a pastor. Now, should they, are they making a judgment? Yes, they are making a judgment. 
But they're making a judgment based on the Word of God, not based on their opinion. It's based on the Word of God. If, if a person says we're to honor the Lord with our substance, that's not an opinion. That's what the Bible teaches. Um, a lot of you know this. My, my mother, who was, uh, she, she never was an independent Baptist, but she was Baptist, um, usually missionary Baptist, sometimes Southern Baptist. But my mother had a strong um, belief that she should not uh, dishonor the Lord's Day. And, I mean, she was very strong about it. She prepared. She did most of the heavy lifting of preparing the food on Saturday because on Sunday she just didn't, she felt that was a day. She, she didn't worship on Saturday. She wasn't under the Sabbath, you know. But she just believed that a day ought to be devoted to the Lord. It was her belief. And uh, she wouldn't let us shop. I never, ever, ever remember her stopping at a store of any kind on a Sunday. Either you get it on Saturday or you do without Till Monday. That was my mama. And uh, we drove by on the way to and from uh, Central Baptist Church. We drove by Bob's Grocery, right? And boy, lots of times I wanted mom to stop at Bob's Grocery. Never worked. And a lot of that stuck with us, really. We don't, we, that doesn't mean we don't, we don't ever go to the store. Occasionally we'll go out to eat after church on a Sunday night if we have a missionary guest or someone. It's not a Bible conviction. But I have this view about it. I'm not trying to persuade you. I'm just telling you how I feel about it. That, um, you know, we want these people to go to church. I don't think we ought to just flood to the restaurants and keep them from going to church. You know what I'm saying? I, to me, that's kind of contradictory. I'm not saying anybody ought to believe like that. But, okay, so I'm giving you my view on this. Is Can I judge you and say that? No, that's just our personal view. I'm telling you right up front. You can't prove it or disprove it by the Bible. It's just a, a view. A lot of people have things like that. And so what I'm saying is people take things that aren't Bible doctrines and they make them to be like Bible doctrines and they judge people by those things when they should not do that. You know, I was thinking about this as we were singing our songs. We're not using our hymns books right now. Just, again, just to keep from spreading the virus, if, if you could spread a virus with a Baptist hymn book. But, uh, but so we, we've had people get upset and want to leave the church because we use a projector. I mean, I'm, that's okay if you believe that, but it's not a Bible doctrine. You know what I'm saying? It's just not. So we need to, we need to make sure we're not We ought to judge things that we ought to judge. We ought to be careful about judging things we shouldn't judge. And you may or may not... Uh, know this, you may or may not believe this, but there have been a lot of division in a lot of churches over views on this coronavirus situation. I mean serious. I'm not talking about church splits. I'm just talking about serious divisions. And there are those who, who don't observe any form of social distancing or guidelines. They don't wear a mask. They don't maintain their space. And there are those who do. But I ask the question for you, should that be a cause of strife or contention among Christians? If we were taking a test, that would be the first question on the test. Should that be a cause of device, divisiveness, or contention among Christians? And there are pastors, 
and I know this for a fact, around the country are having to deal with this subject because of the problems it's causing among church members toward each other. And I just want to say, I don't think, it, I don't think that's why, I don't think it's necessary, I don't think it's wise, I don't think it's spiritual. It's not a biblical matter. And I'm not saying this to chide anybody. I'm not saying this even to correct them. I'm just saying this is what the, I think this is the, is there a biblical principle that applies to this? I think we're looking at it. Don't judge one another. Don't despise one another. You know, we have people currently in our church family who don't feel comfortable coming to the services because of the possibility of spreading the disease. I don't despise those people. I don't, I don't think they're inferior. I don't think they're uninformed. I just think they've made a decision that they think is best for them, right? Nothing wrong with that. But then you, on the other hand, you may have people who don't feel comfortable coming because they get offended because you can't shake everybody's hand and hug their neck. The, you know, I don't think that's a biblical position either. Don't despise one another. The Bible, I think, is clear about this. I, and by the way, I love both sides equally and people in the middle. It's because I'm a great compromiser. But I have to be honest and say it grieves me. Sometimes it grieves me. You know, the, the Wednesday night that we met, for the last time, before we started doing online services, I, I stood up here and I talked about we're not sure what we're going to do. We're just, this is, you know, back in early March, we're getting a, all this information. We're not sure. At that point, we weren't thinking we were going to shut down services for a while. But I told the people, I, I said, you know, one of the things we take into consideration is the well-being of people. I don't want to be, I do not want our church, because we're not taking it seriously, to be a catalyst for people spreading a disease that could be very harmful to them. I don't think that would be prudent. So we're thinking about the health of the people. But I also told the church that night, we're also thinking about our testimony in the community. I mean, if everybody else is shutting down and being careful and they come by our parking lot and all these cars are out here, what are they going to think? I talked to a pastor um, this week. I'm trying to think of what day it was. This week I talked to a pastor who got a visit from a, a policeman is up in Michigan, who got a, a visit from a policeman because they were meeting on a Wednesday night. And they ended up not doing anything. They didn't have a very big crowd that were scattered out around the auditorium. Everything was cool. But I, I, I think, see, some people, I mean, I'm just, I'll just tell you from my point, I don't know what people think. But I, think, I have to look at every side of it. And then you have the legal guidelines. And I've, I've sat in on... Um, Meetings with legal, with uh, webinar things, listening to uh, Christian attorneys talk about it. There are churches that are actually being sued today because of not restricting access in their building and people got the disease and now they're suing the church. Now you say, well, it doesn't really matter. Well, all these, all these things matter. And I think, and, and then, so, and then you have, you know, you have, the, the legal guidelines. And I, I am right on board with saying in many ways, in many places, you know, I think churches have been treated unfairly. You know, when you say people can't assemble at church, but you can go get the marijuana or go to the liquor store or, or wherever, 
Go to Walmart. That's a dangerous place to be. <laughs> but churches is a bad place to be. I don't, th I don't agree with any of this stuff. And, th and I don't think it's wrong to speak out against the fact that we, we think it's wrong. I'm just saying these are matters that as Christians, they're, you know, back to the, back to the subject of dietary restrictions. We have bigger fish to fry. <laughs> we have doctrinal issues. So to me, for those, let's imagine there's someone who wants to come to church and they're able to come to church, but they're nervous about the disease. I would, I would go the second mile to make it as safe for them as I can because I want them to be in church, right? Now, think with me for a moment. I personally... I'm not a mask wearer. I wore a mask for 30 seconds on the day Eric took McKenzie off our hands. Standing on my deck, my wife was making masks. She saw, we saw on the internet how you can make them. I made one. I took a picture. It had the flag of the state of Texas on it. That was the last of my mask wearing until this week when I with Shelly, had to be screened and temperature checked, wear a mask, and that's fine. So I'm just telling you, I'm not a mask wearer, but I try to be reasonable. But if I were to come to your house and you asked me to wear a mask, I would put on a mask and I wouldn't bat an eye. You know why? Because I respect you. And it's not a doctrinal issue. And why should I make such an issue about something? Do you, do you see that? By the way, this is not about this particularly, but it's a good place to say it. If I, were, if I was visiting a church, and my wife had visited probably hundreds of churches, if I was visiting a church, and I walked in the church and an usher met me, and I saw a seat on the back row, and, and I said, had my eye on it, because I like being away from the action sometimes. But the usher said to me, you know, we're trying to save these seats on the back row for latecomers. Would you mind moving up a little bit? What do you think I'd do? I'd move up in a heartbeat. Because you know what? What I think about that doesn't really matter. You follow what I'm saying? We're, we can't just go through life always having to have our way or insisting, or saying, well, I have the liberty to do this. And, you know, what if someone said to you, and I'm trying to give you some reasoning, some different ways of looking at this situation, but if someone said to you, you know, if people are nervous about coming to church, then let them stay home. You know, we don't have to make these distancing concessions. If they, don't, if they don't have enough faith, let them stay home. You know what I'd say? I don't, I'd say, I don't think you're thinking biblically. I don't, I, don't think you're thi I don't think you're going the second mile to accommodate. I, we want people in church. And if we can make a few adjustments, a few concessions, take out a few rows, make it easier for people, I'm more than willing to do that. If it makes people feel more comfortable and... Uh, I'm going, to, I'm going to close by giving you a couple of 
testimonies that I've seen printed about something similar to this. But I, I don't read as much about this stuff, I'm sure, as some of you do or maybe some of them your family do. But I've, I've seen probably, I know scores, maybe hundreds of posts, articles, printed articles, videos, podcasts, but I haven't read most of them. Um, I've read a portion of them. But I've basic, I, I'm pretty well indoctrinated, at least as an amateur, on the various positions, on Bill Gates being the Antichrist, and on, I just read one the other day, a headline. All I had to read was a headline, Donald Trump forces vaccines. And somehow I, could, I didn't really believe that could be true. But the Internet is full of stuff. The vaccine is going to have in it a tracking device, and it will be the mark of the beast. My wife got a video sent to her just the other day. Just a, we watched a couple of minutes of it, and, and uh, it's that very same thing, all this kind of stuff. You know, yes, masks are yes today, no tomorrow. You know, it's all out there. Whatever you want, smorgasbord. And, um, and by the way, I don't believe in forcing vaccines. I'm not a big vaccine. I've never, I don't get flu shots. I'm not saying I never would get one, but I don't get one. But I, that's not what we're called to preach. We're called to preach the gospel. We're to point people to Christ, not always be debating about all these things. You know what I'm saying? So I want to, give you, I want to share with you my two favorite posts of all the posts that I've seen on the Internet. Both of them were preachers. Both of them were follow-ups because they had been on the internet posting about things and now they're following up on it and they had actually shared things. Both of them were apologies. Both of them apologized for the same thing. Different men probably don't know each other, different parts of the country. Both of them had the same two apologies. Number one, they apologized that they shared material that after fact-finding, they realized it wasn't all true. Both of them apologized. But the second thing is what really got me. Both of them apologized by saying that basically, I'm paraphrasing, that they had been kind of snarky and condescending in the way that they pre presented them. And, you know, I, and those are my two favorite posts of all because they exhibited Christ-like attitude and character. We don't see each other we should not see each other as Republicans or Democrats, as pro or no vaccines, as liberals or conservatives, but as brethren. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, we ought to love each other, even though we don't always agree with each other even though we don't always see everything the same way. People can be free thinkers and come up with different positions or opinions, and God receives them both. Right? It's what the, if the Bible doesn't speak about it, let's be careful how dogmatically we speak about it. Are we to judge? Yes. We are. We love each other. And we're to encourage, we're to edify, we're, look, we're to look for ways to build each other up. That's what we're to do. Amen.